The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, wet weather has wreaked havoc on the Burning Man Festival in the United States while the Proud Boys are sentenced one by one. Now, here to give us the latest uh, updates, Marion McKeown, US correspondent for the Business Post. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Pat. How are you? I'm very well. Now, it's a long weekend and you've uh, stayed up very late to talk to us. But uh, the topic of the weekend is probably what's going on in the Burning Man Festival. Uh, You might explain to us what it is and um, what's gone wrong. Yeah, well, let's just say it's no electric picnic, Pat. We'll we'll start with that because I believe they had gorgeous weather there and it was all fantastic. The Burning Man, I went to it about 20 years ago, so I'm really aging myself here. It is like nothing no other festival you can ever imagine. It's in the middle of the desert. It's in the middle of a dried out lake, actually, in sort of the northwest of Nevada. The nearest city would be Reno, which is about 120 miles away. And it really is just in the middle of nowhere. And it's it's designed in a sort of a, a semi-crescent, almost a three quarters of a circle or, a you know, 60 percent uh, circle. And it's all grids and people come and they come in their camper vans and their tents and whatever and they build boats and they build all kinds of wacky crazy things to stay in and it's got a a sort of an ethos that it's all about creativity and feeling the love and loads of drugs that is for everybody else of course not me and um it was you know and at the, the penultimate night is they burn this giant like massive effigy of a a burning man, hence the name. But in between, there's all kinds of music and workshops and creativity. And it is very good vibes and everyone shares. And it's a real sort of hippy dippy festival, to be quite honest. Okay, so so what you do is you bring gallons of sunscreen. I mean, that's what you have to do. It's in the desert. But this year. Yeah, (laughs) this year, uh, this year, everything just went horribly wrong because it started raining um, Los Angeles. Angeles, California had a downpour after uh, the the hurricane a couple of weeks ago turned in the tropical storm that we had over over here in the west coast last weekend, and uh, over it, the desert. As I say, this is a lake. This is a dried out lake. So the bottom of it, it's all kind of it's a horrible, gritty, dirty sand anyway. But as soon as water touches it, it turns into this awful, sticky, viscous mud. And I remember even if you knocked over water, you know, literally it would just turn into glue. And so the whole place, it rained and it rained several times. And at one point, when the rain comes down, there's nowhere for it to go. So it just pools there. And, you know, I mean, we've all seen, you know, last in years gone by where people were just covered in mud. This is much, much worse. As I say, it's so filthy and so viscous. So there was only one road um, in and out, which is the third it's like a, a sort of a country state road. And so the Burning Man organizers said, OK, things are so bad. Don't try and drive away. You've got to just stay here. You're literally stuck in the mud here. You can't leave until it dries. We're talking 75,000 people. So it's a lot of people. And they said, you can't leave. Sorry, you're going to have to stay. Mm. And, and so unless people had four by fours or like, you know, cars that are really 
designed our trucks for for sort of extreme weather conditions. They couldn't leave. A couple of thousand people did try to walk. Uh, it took them up to four hours to walk a, a couple of miles to the nearest town, which I think I remember it being Gerbeck, I think was the nearest town. And that has like, you know, it's, it's literally a one horse town. And so when they got there, there was nowhere for them to go. So they were trying to get people to give them lifts to Reno or wherever. So it's been, they're all still there. The, the burning of the Burning Man has been cancelled. It was supposed to happen last night and it will happen to, tonight, I think, apparently. Uh, but, uh, you know, apparently the mood is very good humoured. There's people bring plenty of everything because, you know, you can't buy anything when you get there. And uh, so there's plenty of water, plenty of food, apparently. I think the toilets, as the port lose in these situations, they're always a bit dodgy. I think that is a tricky situation, mm. to put it mildly. Uh, but I, I think people are just literally having to tough it out and, and wait until they can leave. And there's no sign of that happening until um, maybe later today or possibly even tomorrow. One person is reported dead. Um, I don't know whether That's they're thinking right. about foul play or uh, drugs or just a... There is uh, an investigation going on, but they're, they're being very, very tight-lipped about it. The, 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 the sergeant who is in charge at Burning Man uh, spoke about that. Um, and Nathan Carmichael was his name. And he did a briefing earlier that we were able to get notes from. And they were just, as I say, he, he was found and, and he was... Uh, there, there's an investigation going on, but they're, they're saying nothing for the time being. All right. Now, back to politics and, uh, you, you know, politics and the law are intersecting all the time. Uh, the Proud Boys going down. But I, I noted that one of the lawyers for one of the Proud Boys said, yeah, my guy's going down and Trump's still at large. Oh, more than... 1,100 people were arrested for storming the Capitol. Of those, over about 280 have now received prison sentences. Another 110,000 got probation, house arrest, various other things. So there are still several more to come. But the most serious ones were the leaders of two groups. One was the Proud Boys. Uh, and, and these are the sentences that were handed out last week. And there will be more. another one. The leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Torres, will be sentenced on uh, Wednesday, I believe. The judge was ill last week and he had to postpone that one. And of of course, in May, we had Stuart Rhodes, who was the head of the Oath Keepers, and he received an 18-year prison sentence. A lot of publicity around him. He was a Yale Law graduate, military veteran, uh, and, and, you know, it, 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 sort of he was convicted of seditious conspiracy as were four out of the five who, who were sentenced last week now it's um dominic pizzoli is the one that, whose name i just mentioned there when he was in court uh he you know behaved with absolute contrition and he was sobbing in front of the judge this is timothy kelly he's a trump appointee um and he said he was so sorry he regretted everything and if he would show mercy he would change his life etc and then he was sentenced to 10 years in prison which was half exactly half what the prosecutors had asked for because they wanted a terrorism enhancement put on the sentence and as soon as he got his sentence he yelled out Trump won so it seemed that the contrition was very much to appear that he was not as disassociated shall we say from Trump as it had seemed while he was addressing the judge you know I I dare say that the, the point the prosecutors were making again and again was look this wasn't an explosion of rage and and for frustration on the day. This was planned. It was orchestrated. They brought arms into Washington. They were planning all this. There was money raised, you know, that that this was an or- a, a very deliberate and organized attempt.
attempt to stop Joe Biden from becoming president and to ensure Donald Trump remained in power, that it wasn't some chaotic melee free-for-all. And of course, these um, individuals, uh, Pizzola was one, he stole a police um, shield. And I think we've all seen the images and indeed on the day as well, where um, he was the one who smashed in the windows using the police shield, uh, the windows and the doors, which allowed people to enter. So uh, these are people who all played prominent roles. They, you know, they, they weren't just bystanders or people who got caught up in it or people who stormed the Capitol once the doors were open. They were the planners and the strategists. Finally, Rudy Giuliani, he has... Uh, yeah. He, he has lost uh, the case uh, that was taken by two women. They won the case for defamation uh, against Giuliani and he lost it by default because he refused and refused and refused right. to hand over the documents that the two women needed for discovery. Um, what happens next? I mean, there will be a trial, but it's not about guilt or innocence. It's about how much he's going to pay. Exactly. Do you know, Pat, the, the, the thing that's fascinating, uh, all the prosecutors and lawyers that I've spoken to about this is that what was in that discovery that was so damaging to Giuliani or presumably Donald Trump or other people that he was prepared to accept a default judgment knowing it could cost him millions and millions rather than hand over uh, the, the discovery as he was asked, and indeed the judge Beryl Howell, and I, I read her her um, you know her default judgment rationale on this, and it was scathing. And she pretty well said that she said, "You're obviously, you know," and I'm paraphrasing here slightly. You're obviously there's a reason you didn't do this. You're a prosecutor. You're a lawyer. Uh, you are refusing to hand this over and refuse because you don't want this to be used in another trial, in a possible criminal trial, or by Jack Smith. So uh, she put in the default. Judgment judgment. Uh, I think that, that these two women, it, and I, I think the thing with, with what happened in Georgia was, when, when you talk about the abstract, you know, a plot to, to conspire to defraud 81 million people of their votes, it's almost it, it's almost abstract. Uh, Ruby Freeman and uh, Shay Ross were, were, were a mother and daughter. They were ordinary women who were working in, as election officials, just counting the votes and doing the election grunt work in Georgia. Rudy Giuliani claimed that they had been working really long hours and the mother leaned over and she passed her daughter a sweet it was a ginger mint in a wrapper and Rudy Giuliani went on TV and he said that he saw uh, Ruby Freeman pass her daughter uh, Shay Ross the, this sweet which he said was a UBS and he said it contained all this data rigging ability that she just had to put it into her computer and then all the, the systems were, were driven crazy and uh, Trump lost all his votes and he said you know and one one of the things Giuliani said that was so grating, these are were two black women. And he said, oh, you know, it passed over a vial. I mean, you probably would have thought that it was it was like they were passing cocaine or heroin. You know, I, I mean, it was so shocking that even that he said that in, in saying that you probably would have thought they would have been passing drugs because, you know, the subjects being because they're black women. But no, in fact, it was a UBS and they were going to destroy the election results with it. Uh, so, you know, these women lost their homes. They couldn't go out. They couldn't even go to their local supermarket. They received death threats. I mean, they their lives turned into nightmares and they testified uh, before the January 6th committee. And so people really, I think, had a huge amount of empathy for them. Now, 
Rudy Giuliani is currently selling or trying to sell his his uh, penthouse on the Upper East Side on on 66th Street in Madison Avenue in Manhattan. He's looking for 6.5 million. He's going to need a couple of million anyway uh, for his legal fees, probably. But if these women are awarded a punitive damages, which I think they will be. It could be several million dollars. And Giuliani will have to hand over everything he owns to satisfy that debt. He can't declare bankruptcy. He literally, what he has left and his fall. I mean, you know, he he was really, you know, he peaked, shall we say, on January for on, on September the 11th, 2001. Before that, his career was in free fall anyway. And and since then, it has gone, you know, but it's almost Shakespearean the way that this former, you know, the big star of the Southern District of New York prosecutor, New York's mayor, etc., etc. And, you know, he's in so much trouble now. And, and as I say, he's already... He got divorced in 2019. He lost half his properties anyway then uh, to his ex-wife. And this is the penthouse was the dream home. And and as I say, he's selling it that pays legal fees. Donald Trump is apparently kicking something in. He's having a fundraiser for him. But it, it, as I say, if these women receive the punitive damages that I think people think they'll get, uh, Giuliani will, will have to literally sell everything to satisfy that debt. Marion McKeown, US correspondent for the Business Post. Thank you very much for joining us, Marion. Thank you, Pat. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.